This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Veterans Affairs Department expects to keep growing its benefits division's workforce. That's in large part to stay ahead of a surge of claims that's now processing under the PACT Act. The legislation is expected to bring in an additional three and a half million veterans into VA care. And even with the ramp up in hiring, the Veterans Benefits Administration expects an uptick in its claims backlog this year. Yep. For an update, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And let's begin with so far at VBA under the PACT Act, which is the burn pit effects type of legislation. How many claims has VBA gotten to date? Well, it's always a moving target and it's always going up. But as of late December, VBA told us that they received 213,000 claims so far, and they've been getting these claims since President Joe Biden signed the PACT Act in August. They've been getting those starting in the summer, and they've been getting them to the end of the year. The reason why they're only now, as of January 1st, processing all of those claims is because they had to stand up the regulation, and they did that in a fast-tracked manner. That's not to say that they weren't able to jump the gun for some claims. They received about 2,600 PACT Act claims from terminally ill veterans, and they were able to grant at this point at least 200 of those claims and pay out $3 million in benefits. And they're going to continue to prioritize claims for those terminally ill veterans, along with veterans who are experiencing homelessness, veterans who are older than 85 years old, and some other special cases. We heard from the acting undersecretary for benefits on this, Josh Jacobs. He says that the agency has conducted at this point more than a million toxic exposure screenings of veterans. This is this initial screening when they enter VA care, and it's the first opportunities veterans have to say, I think I may have been exposed to something that was bad during my term of service, and that initiates this process of going through the claims process. Here's Jacobs. The bottom line is we want to send a message to veterans that we're ready, we're excited, to implement the PACT Act, and we want you to apply now so that we can deliver the care and benefits that you deserve and have earned. All right. And as we said at the top, they expect perhaps three and a half million new veterans to come into the system, and that means they've got these people hired. They need to hire the people to handle the claims. What are their short-term hiring goals? At least in the first half of fiscal 2023, which is coming up, we're talking about March here, the VBA is looking to hire an additional 1,900 employees, and they've made some pretty good progress. They have onboarded, and they've actually completed all the onboarding steps for about 40% of that target 1,900, and VBA is also going to host a national hiring event in early February to interview more candidates and onboard more employees. That's just half the battle. All the employees, new and old, need to complete about 15 hours of training on how to handle packed at claims, separate from other claims they may be used to handling. And VBA is completing about 1,500 hours of training on any given day. We have more from Jacobs here. He says that the current VBA workforce is about 50 to 60 percent trained up so far. We know that it takes a while to train new employees. It takes uh, several months. This is a complex business, but we also need to train our current employees. That's the short term goal. What about the year of 2023? They've got much more ambitious VBA hiring plans. Yeah, they're looking beyond just this initial sprint to the spring that they're looking at the end of fiscal 2023 here. And on top of this 1900 employee hiring goal that we already talked about, VBA is going to bring on an additional 2500 employees by the end of fiscal 2023, just really signifies the scope of the workload that they're going to have and 
the bodies they're going to need to throw at it to deal with this. And it sounds like the backlog of claims could grow faster than they can get people on board. It's worth looking at it this way. VBA is breaking its record on the number of claims it's able to process in any given year, and it's going to need to continue to break records to keep pace with what it's getting. VBA processed over 390,000 total claims for fiscal 2023 so far. That's about a 13% increase compared to that same period of time back in fiscal 2022 when it processed 1.7 million total claims. But with this extra workload being added on through the PACT Act, they do expect that the claims backlog is going to go up for a bit. The claims backlog peaked in October of 2021 at 260,000 claims, and it's currently around 170,000 claims. All right. So these are all backlog for all of VBA benefits, not just the PACT Act benefits. Correct. This is the whole bucket. Right. So they're trying to drive that down at the same time as the number of incoming cases rises because of the PACT Act. Right, right. They have been dealing with that total backlog for a while, and now they've had uh, much more added to their caseload. Sure. And are they using any automation tools or any kind of technology to help with this claims wave that's coming their way? Yeah, they have been introducing some automated support decision tools for these uh, VBA employees to be more efficient and to, again, keep breaking these records of how many claims they're able to process in a given year. They rolled out some of these automated tools at eight regional offices so far as part of a pilot program. They're trying to do more of that rollout for the rest of this fiscal year. And Jacobs gave a little bit of an explanation of what these automation tools are able to do. If you're able to demonstrate you served in a location during one of the periods of time covered in the PACT Act and you have a condition that's covered in the PACT Act, we don't have to establish the connection and prove that your military service contributed or caused that condition. And so it makes it easier for us to grant conditions. So as long as we have that information, it's much easier for us Right. So they don't need to establish any medical reason. There is causality assumed. And if you can come under those conditions, then you don't have to go through the whole claims process as comprehensively then, is what he's saying? Yeah, correct. And more importantly, it's really just reducing the number of handoffs and the number of boxes needed to be checked. This already just assumes uh, one leading to the next. And so the claim can go through that much faster. All right. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, we know you'll stay on top of it. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. 
And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on, I obviously will say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone and I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see, you know, throw, send in my information and lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn, uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, DC. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by always happy, always enthused, uh, has a, has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, so often when he'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out. And come on, you know, like look at look at Terrell. Like he, he he faces everything with optimism, and 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 I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally. You see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents when they were born were often told this is a tragedy, and you should you should you know send your this child away. Don't don't you know and, and kind of forget about them. Get, turn them over to the state or or wherever. And and you know that you know just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and 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 in in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and but they've still faced enormous challenges. You know, and but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming, and uh, and and you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that, uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a and it's so unique and it's so. Uh, joyful and and uh, I mean we work hard and you know we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day but uh man you see it, it and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics no one's excluded you know no, right. no one's excluded everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics it, and you know in a country that's quite divided on so many lines politically and uh, socially uh, economically race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot, but you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved, everyone's welcome, everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics and experienced the power of Special Olympics for themselves, 
I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved, uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials. Um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age, it's, it's uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website. Uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.